Faith Times Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the third Sunday after Pentecost for the week of June 13th, 2021, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast, and I'm excited because this, to me, starts feeling more like that season after Pentecost. We're not having as much of a heavy text as we did last week, but yet there's still so much here that we can able to learn and dig into and grow with. And especially this week when we're looking at the text that we'll get into, and especially in the gospel text, looking at faith being compared to the size of a mustard seed, it's nice to be able to look at this in the Northern Hemisphere's growing season and thinking about that from a growing perspective and how can we be growing just like we're watching things outside grow. And it's really exciting for me to kind of think about, and I hope at least for you also, that you're able to relate these a little bit more as we're watching things grow. But before we jump into this week's text, let's look back to last week's Twitter question, which was, have you been curious with God? Have you been willing to dig deeper? And where has that led you? And I think there's a lot of ways and a lot of personal ways you can take that question. And that's kind of why this week I'm going to kind of leave it a little more ambiguous. But I think that's one of the things that's so important for faith development is being curious with God, being willing and able to try to understand what does this all mean? Why are we doing this? And I would assume that's partially why you're listening to this right now is the ability and, and the desire to dig deeper, the desire to look at things differently, the desire to try to learn and extract a little bit more from these texts. And I think that's one of the things as a human that we have been given that curiosity into our being. And so then let us explore that. And I think that's where I can say, at least for me, as I've been doing these now over the last three and a half years, it has allowed me to dig deeper and allowed me to think deeper. And it's impacted how I look at scripture and how I think about scripture and I think it's, at least for me, allows me to be thinking about it and trying to bring scripture into a more personal way and a unique spin on it, if you want to put it that way. How do am I seeing God not necessarily working just purely through people, but how am I seeing God work in nature in different ways? And I think that's what's curious and that's what makes it fun and that's what makes it interesting. So let's just jump into this. And again, like last week, we have two different Old Testament readings with a psalm that correlates to each. So the semi-continuous reading from the Old Testament this week is out of 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 34 to chapter 16, verse 13. This is the people of Israel have screwed up. They realize that now King Saul is really not that great of a king. And so during this reign, the Lord calls to Samuel and to go to Jesse, which we've heard before, the root of Jesse, and goes to Bethlehem and has Jesse kind of bring all his sons in front of Samuel. And he has all but the youngest one there. And the Lord says on all of them, nope, this isn't the right one. This isn't the right one. And the final one, then, you know, he kind of asks, do you have any more? Yes, the youngest who's with the sheep. He asks, can you bring that son to me? And when the son is brought up, is ruddy, but with beautiful eyes and is handsome, according to verse 12. 
and he anoints him and that this is going to be King David, which is arguably, I like to argue, but one of the better kings, if not the best king that Israel ever has. The psalm then for that text is Psalm 20, which I think is really a nice psalm to kind of be correlating with this, especially verse 1, the Lord answer you in the day of trouble, the name of God of Jacob to protect you. So the idea of kind of continuing on after that text of Saul is still king at this point. So David is going to be going through and needing a lot of protection, but then gets into a lot of how David is a man after God's heart is chasing that and that will be delivered through that and will be given victory because of the dependence that he has on the Lord. So through that, it allows him to be able to become what God has called him to become and become the king that Israel is needing because of his dependence on God. The other Old Testament reading is out of Ezekiel chapter 17 verses 22 through 24. This is a little bit of an angelic way of phrasing things. I kind of like it from the science perspective, but it's the whole idea of the Lord will bring high the low and bring the high low, if that makes sense. So it brings people who are up on the lofty mountain down, humbling them, bringing them down, and the ones who are low will be brought up. And it uses the idea of a sprig of a cedar. So this small part, this small tree that is found at the bottom and brings it to the top of a lofty mountain. And again, that because of that, it flourishes and is bringing forth fruit. And what the Lord has spoken, the Lord will accomplish coming out of the end of verse 24. So this idea of, again, the Lord provides. And when the Lord provides, it makes things change in ways that we don't necessarily expect. The psalm correlating to that section is Psalm 92 verses 1 to 4 and 12 to 15. And this is then looking at and bringing out the idea of the steadfast love of God and what that does. It also then makes sure to bring in the verse from verse 12 talking about the cedars and talking about how the Lord then makes sure to produce fruit and is then this prosperous God. So this idea then again of how even in these different times that if we continue to depend on God, the fruit that we will be able to produce for God will be what he desires from us. The New Testament reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 to 10, optionally 11 to 13, and then 14 to 17. This is the text that we could summarize almost in one verse from verse 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. This idea, again, that as we're going through life here, that because of what Christ did for us, that then we continue to depend on Christ to be able to walk us through life. And even as there are times when we aren't 100% sure of things, it's the faith that we have that keeps us moving forward. It's the faith that brings us together to continue to walk in the faith and share about the faith and then being humble and realizing we don't have all the answers. That's what God's job is. And so this interesting interplay there, and I really enjoy this text worth checking out this week. The gospel text this week is from Mark chapter 4, verses 26 to 34. 
This is a more familiar gospel that we have heard, and especially when you're looking at Mark's gospel, short, sweet, and to the point, this is what I think of with Mark. So the kingdom of God is like someone who scattered seeds on the ground and that at first part of the text realizing that we don't entirely understand how this whole process works. And we've even talked about it before in previous podcasts and I can try attaching some links down below. But the spark of life on when a seed realizes that it's time to grow is still a lot of debate and trying to figure out. But it's definitely sensing that the environment is right. But then it takes a while for that seed to be able to be harvested. It doesn't just immediately harvestable. You have the stock, then the head, and then the full grain, which then can be harvested to be shown to other people. And then we get this imagery of the mustard seed, which so often has been used that it's the smallest of the seeds, which it's one of the smaller seeds we have on earth, one to two millimeters. But then also talking about how it becomes this giant shrub, and it does. They can become six to 20 feet tall. So this idea of a fairly large shrub, and it was utilized a lot within the different communities there. So saying like, look at what happens from this small seed, and yet it's able to produce this large plant. And so that to me is quite interesting. And then we get this interesting section here that Mark kind of throws in right at the end. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. So this idea of like that Jesus would speak in parables, but then explaining more of it to his disciples. And I think part of that is the idea of, again, here's the people who are genuinely interested, genuinely care about him and wanting to understand. So this craving of wanting to go understand deeper, wanting to understand what Jesus was fully talking about and teaching about, that that desire, that faith then led them to get explanations. So I think that's a really interesting point. But before we talk about how faith and science come together this week, we have to do a shameless plug. Oh, Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between the Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I love using their resource to have so many different biblical scholars right there on one website. Between their podcasts and their different commentaries, it really, really helps me. But I would be a mute to be able to also not bring up lectionary from Vanderbilt EDU having the different art to be able to think about and look at and contemplate how different artists have interpreted these texts to just being able to have all the different texts together in one spot. I find it really convenient, especially with bringing you this podcast. So I can't rave enough about workingpreacher.org and the revised common lectionary coming from vanderbilt.edu. Faith. Faith is something that is, in a lot of ways, hard to explain, but it's something that's much easier shown in action. Picture is worth a thousand words, and our actions speak louder than words. And that's what a lot of what I see faith is. Saying that you're going to do something and doing it are two entirely different things. One of the sayings that I think about is something that my father said to me a lot as a teenager, that talk is cheap. 
And it's very true. And if you think about it in the science world, saying something without having evidence to back it up is just blasphemy. It's a hypothesis. It's nothing more than that. You have to be able to at least show some work to be able to have something of some legitimacy to your claims. Otherwise, they're just ideas, hypothesis that need more work to be able to be really seen and shown and understood. And if we think about this in science, when I look at these texts, we have here first the admitting of the fault of the tribe of Israel that, yeah, we got the wrong guy. And it's not that the king has passed away when Samuel's going out and anointing what would be David. Saul is very much alive and Samuel even brings up about this that if Saul hears about this he's gonna kill me and God continues to say just have the faith I will protect you don't worry about it I'll make sure that things are okay so it's not even just David but it's also Samuel the prophet who is concerned about this but yet still has the faith to fulfill what God is calling him to do the idea of in Ezekiel that the situation that we're in doesn't mean it's the situation where we leave this world in or how God doesn't necessarily see us if we're in a low situation as this low plant. He sees us as this treasured thing worth digging up and transplanting somewhere else. That to me is really quite something. And the faith to realize that even when you're in a weird spot that you can still flourish is quite a message to be thinking about. And I think that's part of where Jesus is getting into the idea of we don't understand completely how everything grows. So trust me when I tell you that even something so small as a mustard seed can become something large like a mustard plant. Simple little things can change the course of history. This week, we're going to go into a little bit of some early automotive history, but I think it's something that we can relate to that the discovery of this changed the course of history in a lot of ways because everything to the smartphone that's probably in your pocket and to the automobile that you drive probably every day, this invention happened purely by accident, but yet changed the course of how we are able to move in this world today. Edward Benedictus was quite the man. He was what I would kind of see as kind of a Renaissance man in the early turn of the 20th century. Was painting, composing, a scientist, and doing lots of different things. And so he's one day in his laboratory working on things. And there's even some that are saying he was probably maybe even painting. And this jar that he has on the shelf, because he really liked holding on to things, this glass jar falls from the top shelf. And instead of splintering into hundreds of pieces, the jar falls and kind of stays together. What he realized is that the jar that he had previously had held cellulose nitrate, which is a form of plastic, and thus it had held things together. And so he experimented some with that and essentially helped figure out 
early processing of laminated glass, which at that point, there was really, he hadn't put all the pieces together. We'll put it that way. It took him another few years when he then starts realizing automobile accidents and one of the major causes of death was shattered glass. That the glass shards were then being exposed in within the cabin and so thus brought forth this patent and it took even Henry Ford into the late teens trying to get around all these different lawsuits that he was having because they were using plate glass to come up with this invention of the laminated glass to be able to put in vehicles. And again, there's been lots of additional history to it since then. But that process of laminating glass was the beginnings of what we now know as safety glass. And it's the foundational route to be able to produce something like Gorilla Glass, which is on most smartphones, so that you don't get the glass just shattering everywhere, that it's trying to hold it together. It's essentially that you have a plastic layer sandwiching two different glass layers together, holding it together. What I love about this, when thinking about this, is it was purely by accident. It was purely something that we couldn't even conceive. Glass breaks, and we have been using glass for centuries. We've used it for tools going back to the earliest peoples where essentially lightning struck sand and made glass and okay, we have obsidian, so we'll carve this out to make a sharp tool. And we've had glass making processes for centuries, but its biggest Achilles heel has been that it can break. And how do you strengthen glass? How do you get it so it doesn't shatter? And then here we go, the beginning of the 20th century in 1902, when Edward Benedict figures this out. This allowing for us to transform automobiles, transform how we use technology, and how often this is now being utilized in so many different forms or fashion, even into the scientific field to be able to have less breakable glassware. So that we can be a little more frivolous, I guess, in the lab, if you want to put it that way, where we don't have to be as careful. We're still very careful, but still not as careful that if something bumps and accidentally tips over and hopefully there's nothing in it, it's not necessarily going to break. Giving it that support to be able to withstand a blow. Isn't that similar to like what we're hearing in the Ezekiel text? That God is still with us in realizing this and is willing and able to support us in these times, even when things aren't ideal. That there are plans that God has for us that we don't necessarily always understand or see. And that's what Paul discusses, that we have to have faith beyond what we can know and see, understanding that there are plans that we don't fully see at this moment. You think about the first Samuel reading. First Samuel, this text is the beginning of the root of Jesse. Out of the root of Jesse, I will br- This is the line that we will be able to trace back to Jesus. This is a major core line that Jesus gets is to King David. And then David still has the line being able to connect back to the earliest Moses, Noah, Adam and Eve, being able to trace that line back. Even though in this moment, 
If I'm a young boy who's watching the sheep and suddenly this well-known prophet anoints me and says, you will be the king of Israel. I better have the fear of God in me because there's still another king. And I'm just a young boy. We don't necessarily get the exact age here of David, but teenager at best. What a responsibility. What a way for David to grow into this position. He is like a mustard seed in this spot, something small, something that doesn't seem significant and yet is willing and able to, I would say, grow beyond a mustard seed, bringing forth branches that birds can nest in its shade. Coming from verse 32 of the Mark text, I would say so to the point where major foundations of the faith were grown upon the shoulders of David. So many of the different Psalms are accredited to David. I look at this invention of safety glass for our modern world the same way. Being able to have more durable glass, being able to understand that just by putting on a plastic coating, how much increases the durability. And even in automotive stuff now, 60% of the strength of a vehicle in a rollover accident comes from the windows to provide that strength to make sure that that vehicle is going to be okay to keep people from ejecting from the vehicle, to keep people contained and safe, all from an accidental beaker falling and not breaking. We all love the story of an underdog. I think that's partially why we really enjoy the story of King David. It's partially why we really enjoy some of these different Terrible, especially the terrible of the mustard seed, because we can relate to it. We can understand being what we conceive as the underdog. That the underdog has to believe in something greater than what is being necessarily put down on paper. It has to understand and believe that it can do something greater than what is expected. And is that not what we see in the Ezekiel text and what not is told to us through Paul in the second letter to the Corinthians? What God is able to do for us and what God has called us to do is greater than we know. Sometimes it's something that's so fluky and yet it ends up defining a career, ends up helping save thousands of lives a day just by accident. We don't always understand what God is up to. And that breathes into the question from last week of being curious because there's a lot of times we don't understand. And so that allows us the opportunity to ask God why and to be curious. And that's where I love looking and thinking about a story like this where not understanding what we have until it literally breaks in this case. Where Benedicts didn't have an idea of what was fully in that jar, what that jar was really doing until it fell. If that doesn't fall, when do we figure this out? And how it encouraged this man to be curious, to then explore this, and then leads to further studies to the point where now that's a major part of the safety system in a vehicle for us now. And is used as part of the fundamental principles for what we have with Gorilla Glass and different anti-breaking glasses even on other parts of technology. It's amazing. So the Twitter question that I have for you this week is where have you been surprised by God with an underdog? Where have you been surprised by God with an underdog? Because if we start looking around, there's a lot of them that when you think about it on paper, it shouldn't work. 
And yet it does. For me, another one that I think about is hummingbirds. And we've talked about this before, but how long and far their migration is, along with the high metabolism that they have, and how much they sacrifice to be able to do that year in, year out, is incredible. And yet they do it. To me, it's a story, and I'll try attaching some links down below, of an underdog. One that we would not expect unless we saw it. And yet we see it every year, and yet we then don't realize how much of a story of an underdog it is. We can do great things if we allow God to work in us. But we have to have the faith to understand that even in the difficult moments, like when David is anointed by Samuel for both Samuel and David, or being that sprig at the bottom of the hill, wanting to become a big tree but realizing the situation it looks dire. Or when Paul is writing to the people of Corinth and dating, it's going to take a little while. You have to walk by faith and not by sight. Or the first half of this reading where Jesus is reminding us that seeds take time to grow. It's not overnight. It takes time for the plant to mature. So don't count them out too early. The other thing I'll throw in, especially with being a youth minister, I think this is such an important text to realize within youth that just because we don't see what God is doing with them at this moment doesn't mean that God isn't still working in there. Don't give up on them yet. That's not our role. We're just here to continue to love them and care for them, no matter how old that youth may be. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.